From the Middle Tennessee Association of Realtors, you're listening to Tenants in Common, a podcast sharing stories, motivation, and insight into the real estate industry. And today, we have a very exciting podcast and a video series for you, surrounded by Bill Jakes and President Christopher Wilson. Welcome, Bill. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. Well, absolutely. You're a member here. That's right. That's right. And our guest. And former board member. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. But Bill uh, had two terms, didn't you? Uh, yeah, at yeah, least, yes, yeah, yes. At least, yes. Yeah. So Bill's been very active participant in, in the board of directors and uh, MTAR as a whole when it comes to all that. So you did. Oh, at some point, at some point. <laughs> My kids are kind of small now, so I've been I've been taking it taking a break and having as much family time as possible the last couple of years. Um, I uh, Steve had told me he's like you know Steve actually kind of travels all the way from Hendersonville to to work for the staff here and and we were lucky to get him actually from the state uh, to kind of lead up our education department but uh, so when I told him I wanted to have you on he's like man you're gonna have to take the lead on this one because I don't know as much about Murfreesboro and I told him I was you know happy to do so yeah he's got his oh, notes yeah. down here good good um, but no Bill you and I have known each other going on I think eight years now yeah. Uh, uh, I'm excited to have you today because I try to come listen to you speak. Anytime you do speak, uh, you're a great storyteller and very knowledgeable about the history of Murfreesboro. So I'm really excited to hear what you have to tell us today. We're going to talk about some real estate stuff, uh, very specific, and then we're going to get into just some history and some you know some cool facts about the area. So well, again, it's a it's an honor to be here, Chris, and and you've always been such a good supporter of everything I've done, and I, I really appreciate you, and I'm so thankful you're our president at MTAR this year. Well, thank you, thank you very much. Um, why don't we start, give give everybody just a little bit of background about you, uh, what what you're kind of doing now, where you came from, you know, just a little yeah. history on what you got. Okay, well, I mean, uh, uh, the, the basic answer of that is I'm a local, um, in every sense of the term, I'm a history buff, so I have researched my genealogy as far as I can take it, and uh, some of my first ancestors in Rutherford County got here before 1800. Uh, the Kelton family that I, I descend from was here in the 1790s. So that's about as far back as you can go. We were North Carolina, North Carolina prior to that, you know. So. Well, the good thing is, is your family tree did split. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not just like a family tree. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. That's yes. true. Okay, this is good. That's true. Although with great big families and lots and lots of children, there's some there's some weird branches in there. You know, I'll, oh, I'll be honest. Okay. That that's that's how it works. But. Uh, Anyway, I've lived my whole life here, went to school here, um, ran a construction business. I built hardwood floors for 15 years, uh, and that all kind of led me towards real estate as a profession. I, I figured I knew a lot about homes and houses and construction, and it seemed like the, the way to progress in life was to move on up into the realtor job, and um, it's, it's, it's been great. Uh, no regrets. I love what I do for a living. Love handing those keys over to first-time home buyers. You know, you, you guys know that feeling. It's there's not much that's more rewarding than than doing that. So, uh, uh, married. I've got two children, eight and eleven, and uh, they're in local schools. So, uh, I've served on tons and tons of boards and committees, as you're aware, with MTAR. But 
Um, also, various other ones. I've, I've been appointed to the uh, City of Murfreesboro's Historic Zoning Commission. Are you still currently on that? I am. Okay. I am. I am oh, yeah. still Go on that. We're going to talk some about that, so that'll be great yeah. insight. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, lots and lots of past boards. Uh, I won't even try to name them all, but but. Uh, this is quite the pedigree. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, if you want to talk about history, this is the man that you that you talk to about it. I mean, he knows about it and has so not just knows about it, but supported it. So that's a, that's the thing. A lot of people have have words involved bills always had action uh, behind his words he's he's a big proponent a big supporter of all of it so well you know i try to again it kind of like the progression through my work life you know i i've lived downtown uh for most of my adult life i mean when i moved away from my parents and, and came to town for college uh, i've stayed in the downtown community so that's kind of been my focus historic homes and uh, the history behind them, and it all feeds into my business and, and what I do. Uh, so it all kind of has rhyme and reason. It all makes sense. I've actually heard about some of your living downtown, and I was curious, you know, what is the accurate temperature for a home brewery in a basement? Mm, yeah, we uh, um, just we may have had a guest last week that told us a few little secrets. Oh yeah, uh, interesting. Uh, so your face, like, <laughs> interesting. Uh, we were actually threatened uh, not to mention that individual's name. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, uh, my, my basement temperature or ground temperature around Rutherford County is about fifty-four degrees, and uh, that's a perfect place to store beer. It's not a good place to ferment beer. You need more heat than that. I, how I know these things now, you know, you'll have to dig deeper into my hobbies. Yeah, we, we, we got to, that's what, it was, it was funny. We literally asked him, we're like, okay, we got Bill Jakes next week. We need a little dirt. He's like, <laughs> well, ask him about uh, engagement life and brewing beer in his basement. I said, oh, okay. That sounds like a dangerous topic. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Well, in the previous house I lived at, at Manny Avenue, when I remodeled the house and was having the gas lines done, I, I was brewing a lot of beer at the time, and uh, I ha actually had the gas line folks install 200,000 BTU burners in my basement so that I could set up my brew equipment down in there. That's awesome, though. That's like, And you know, it, it's actually really funny, because we're, we're saying this almost joking with you about, you know, a, a past little experience, but... If you look at downtown Murfreesboro and even you know parts of Rutherford County as a whole, this whole microbrewery or or uh, you know um, unique uh, personal brewery type uh, environment is is kind of sprouting. It's almost becoming a little bit of a, a thing that we're going to experience here in the area. Pretty you know, pretty significant. Yeah. Well, and people are turning uh, into topping. Yeah. Yeah, he thinks he's funny. <laughs> okay, so. Um, to get started, because we're gonna, and we're going to cover the whole gambit and go through a bunch of this stuff. But one of the things you know to hit on the stuff that the membership and agents as a whole uh, need to know uh, is this idea of a historic overlay. Yeah. And one of the things you are going to kind of be our first one now. Uh, most people know MTAR represents nine counties. Uh, we have actually probably one of the largest land areas of any association in the state, um, and we're going to try to bring in. Uh, people with your equivalency from some of these other counties so we can educate about this because most counties I believe have some variation of this or are in the process of developing some variation of this right. so um, if we can let's talk a little bit about a historic overlay what it is what it's about I'm gonna actually I have the map I'm gonna put it up on the screen for everyone to see why we're talking real quick okay yeah, one, one. if we can 
Yeah, so do you have go. like a, a card that says I'm original or like I'm a local? Somebody that you just get yeah. adding perks? Or? Well, no, I don't push it too hard. You know, I, I don't try to I don't try to <laughs> lean on that fact too much. I mean, but but at the same time. Uh, I, I sort of take it upon myself, being from here, to, to represent Rutherford County in any way I can. So try to stick to the, you know, those morals I was brought up with. You know, with us be friendly. I love it when people come into Murfreesboro or Nashville and they talk about how everybody's so friendly here. Well, let's keep that going. I like, I yes. like that. I like that. You know, I've been to New York and stuff, and people look at you funny just for saying hello. And mm-hmm. and I'm like, this is standard here. If we make eye contact, we're talking. You know, we're in Tennessee. Come on. So, well, and it's, it's actually funny. So I'm gonna, she's gonna kill me. God, I hope she doesn't listen to this podcast. Uh, my wife, when we first moved to the South, uh, now I was raised by Southern family. You know, both my parents were from deep South, but we were in Arizona. And when we moved out here, we moved to Georgia the first time. And the neighbor came to introduce themselves, and my wife literally looks at the window and says, should I answer the door? (laughs) You answer the door. You have have to do it. But people aren't used to that, and we are. I have said this for the longest time. Murfreesboro is the biggest little town I've ever met in my life. I mean, you still have to be careful if – don't talk sideways about somebody because I promise you someone who knows them is eating lunch or dinner next to you at the restaurant, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, the old Davis Market, uh, center of the universe. uh, Concept, That's going on. All the circles of friends intertwine in Middle Tennessee. Exactly. It's kind of crazy. So, well, here's the map. It gets a little distorted. I wanted to make it big enough that everyone could see. So that did kind of distort it a little bit. But it gives a little bit of a, you know, kind of a rough outline of some of it. But if you want to talk about – some of this, what it entails, and let's just kind of see where the conversation takes us with yeah, some of Yeah, absolutely. It. Well, a historic overlay is a zoning tool. Um, and and I'm, the good part about talking uh, to realtors is a lot of folks are going to have a jump start on what we're talking about here. They're going to understand that, uh, you know, this is a residential zone that, that uh, this applies to. It's downtown Murfreesboro where the historic character uh, of the homes and the architecture there are considered to be important to the fabric of our community. Uh, it, it sort of makes downtown what it is and what's so special. So this overlay was enacted in 1984 uh, as a means to kind of preserve that. And so this, the underlying zoning is just the same. Uh, you still have the same codes as anybody else. Uh, there's no fees involved with this necessarily. But um, but if you want to make a change to the exterior of the home that's visible from the, the public area, visible from the street, you have to get a, uh, an application put in with the city. You have to go through a design meeting and make sure that what you're going to do to the house is, is uh, approved by the citizen board, which I sit on. The, the Historic Zoning Commission is appointed by the mayor, and the terms are three years at a time. and. Uh, you know, the mayor has just picked uh, a nice mix of citizens who he feels, you know, represent the city's interest in this. So uh, it's pretty important, though, because after I got on this commission, I, I learned that a lot of folks have no clue that it exists. Um, I made a post on, on Facebook oh, months back about this subject, and one of the comments that I thought was most surprising was a fellow that said, hey, my first house was in that zone. I lived there for years, and I had no idea it existed. So this is pretty important. Um, and this is very important information for realtors who want to sell a home in this neighborhood. Um, if you're passing this on to a, to a client, they really need to know what they're getting into. Because while the commission doesn't cover things like paint color, 
they do handle a lot of choices that uh, could be more costly for, for the homeowner. Uh, for example, if you wanted to change windows or doors, this, these are often things that people need to swap in, a, in an old historic home because they're leaky or just not working right anymore. Vinyl is absolutely not going to be approved. You can, it might be the most efficient and, and most cost-effective, uh, but the commission as, as a standard will not approve uh, vinyl. You have to have wood or wood composite so that it kind of keeps that historic character. Well, and, and I know, so you actually brought up a good point because you were actually the one who taught me about this. I didn't, I, I consider myself a pretty active realtor and yeah, do a lot of business. I would agree. Yeah, I, um, I didn't even know about this. It, it, for some people, it's almost like the best kept secret that shouldn't be a secret. Right, kind of right, thing. yeah. And, um, but one of the huge benefits, and I, I tell this to people all the time, people always ask, well, what does MTAR do? What is, you know, one of the huge benefits is the networking aspect. Because obviously through networking, and you and I have met in other places besides MTAR, even before MTAR, but you'll meet people like that. I was able to call you up knowing that we ended up with a house in that area. Yeah. You and I had a quick conversation where you were able to kind of direct me, hey, don't even try that. That's yeah. not you're wasting your time. <laughs> right. Go this direction and on a remodel that we were looking to do possibly. And so just by making a quick phone call, you probably saved me hours yeah. of work you know, um, in a 15-minute conversation. And like you said, there's there's a panel of community people that, that if you get to know the people in your community can benefit you on your time and, and effort, you know, in that regard as well. So. Yeah, knowing some things up front can definitely save you time and some money at this point. Um, just last year, the commission enacted a fee for your application. So it now costs $150 to submit an application to get into a meeting. Uh, to, to get your changes approved. And you need to bring samples of whatever you're, you're, you're proposing to use on the property. Uh, so yeah, you could, you could put a lot of planning into this. Um, and so it's better to know up front kind of what the parameters you're, you're gonna be faced with could be. And this is, that's why I think this is an important topic. And if you kind of look at the map, it covers a lot of area. I mean, if you look at the whole of downtown, I mean, yeah. that's a pretty decent size overlay yeah. for our, the, you know, the consistency of the whole. So in general, so it's a, it's a, it's a mile from the courthouse to middle Tennessee Boulevard and the historic district runs from the uh, commercial part of town, which is roughly where juniors food land is all the way down to middle Tennessee Boulevard. It, it covers main street over to Lytle and, um, Anything that's, now there, there's a few hooks and turns there because actually, quite frankly, when it was enacted, there were a number of people who did not want to be included. And so some of those little carve outs are from people who were living in those homes in 1984 and didn't want to be included. Uh, they were, you know, as with any zoning, some people fear uh, any extra rules. Don't, 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 I don't even want to try, you know. Um, but you know, nationally, there is data that proves that homes in a historic district never lose value. They only appreciate. They just don't go backwards. Because uh, these, these rules that are in place really do protect the integrity of the neighborhood. You know? And each one of those houses tells a story. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I'm involved with another uh, preservation organization called the APTA, the Association for the Preservation of Tennessee Antiquities. It's a mouthful. But we, uh, we place signs on these old historic homes around Rutherford County, and, and each home is kind of known by three of the most prominent families who lived in it. So, you know, you've got the, these, 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 these homes and their history 
uh, are considered to be really important. I think that would be an amazing opportunity to go into one of those homes or purchase and, and know that you can put that plaque up there that shows significance of mm -hmm. the history. And mm -hmm. It's almost like a badge of honor. Didn't you go through that process with your uh, office? My office, yes. Yeah. So what was that like? I mean, talk about that a little bit, because I think he got his, his office, which was a historic home that you had previously owned to remodel. Yeah, actually, I bought this property with the idea that it would be a rental, quite frankly. But uh, I bought it right about the time I'd gotten my broker's license and decided to open my own brokerage, and I was renting a space. Well, lo and behold, the, the tenants moved out that were in it when I bought it, and structurally it was a mess. I mean, the house was literally sinking into the ground. Uh, my research concluded it was built between 1892 and 1893. I, I researched all the families, and this was not like a prominent home. Um, quite frankly, the folks who had lived in it, lived there for less than a decade, moved to Nashville, and then they split it into a duplex. And it was <laughs> rental properties all the way up into the 40s and 50s. Um, but then the family, actually, I, I shouldn't say 50s, the family that bought it in 1947 kept it until I bought it. It, it passed hmm. to, the, to their really? heirs, and uh, then I bought it from the girl who had grown up in the house, or the, the, the grown woman who had grown up in the house. Um, but yeah, the, so the process of getting it marked is, is essentially just to identify what makes it special. So, um, uh, and this is true with, with most historic organizations throughout the United States. Uh, just because it's old doesn't mean it's historic. And just because... I know people like that. Yeah. <laughs> just because something... So you're Robert, look, next door. Uh, <laughs> you're looking for some special things. Now, uh, prominent families, say a, a, an inventor or some, somebody lived... It's not about wealth. It's prominent, you know, as in meaningful to the community. Um, another big key is obviously architecture. So in, in the case of my building, it wasn't very prominent or fancy. It was a commoner style house from the 1890s. But uh, architecturally speaking, it's a rare thing downtown. It was, it was the most common style of home in the 1890s around Murfreesboro, but we don't have a lot of them now. It's the one that survived. Kind Most of, of them's been torn down. There are quite a few, but not a lot. I don't know. I'm contradicting my words there, but we still have, it's, it's considered the gable front and wing. It's kind of an L-shaped building. Uh, of course, during that time frame, there would not have been a bathroom inside the home. Kitchens were typically uh, out back or on a porch out back. Uh, and then these L-shaped homes most commonly got filled in. Uh, the kitchens and baths were added inside of the L, and uh, they just progressed in that in that way. But uh, I'm. I'm a big fan of my office. I love hanging out in there. I love meeting clients in there because it really reflects who I am, I think. When, uh, when you're talking about the uh, historic overlay and that process of getting approval, so you, you know, if you're an agent and you're representing somebody or if you're uh, personally buying one in that area to live in, to remodel, to do whatever, uh, so that initial meeting, that, that, that panel that you're going for, uh, to maybe bring it to something that people have experienced or gone through, would that be similar to a like a pre-con meeting uh, when you're going to like if you're just going to do a regular development or, or commercial project or anything like that and you're going to go meet with the planners at the city? Absolutely. Exactly the same process, really. Okay. That's a great way to start. Um, you, you have a different point person. Amelia Kerr is our uh, point person in the planning commission 
uh, for the historic zoning. And so you, so you start with her. The planners, I found, are typically just very willing to go ahead and give you an idea of what you're up against before you, you know, when you're getting your application, before you fill anything out. They'll tell you what to expect. Um, there are instances where you can get administrative approval and you don't even have to go through the, uh, the process. Okay. If you're using a known material that's already been approved multiple times before, say if you're uh, replacing your roof, uh, if you're changing the roof style, you're going to have to get permission to get approval. If you're putting exactly the same roof that, that's on there currently back, uh, typically you can get administrative approval and you won't even have to go through the meeting. So some of these things are important to know when you yeah. get but, but certainly your point is, is still true. Uh, going to the planning department is where you start. Okay. Uh, and you talk with the planners and, and they guide you through the process. Awesome. With the historic overlay, you're talking about how some folks didn't want to participate. Mm -hmm. Are you able to, is this even a term, retroactive, a grandfather? Mm -hmm. So if a, yeah. a current homeowner purchase, you know, or purchases a property and it's not in the historic overlay, but they're interested, in it, mm -hmm. is there a process of adding that? Well, that's a great question. There's not really a process for the citizens. This is something that's handed down from the city council. Okay. So if the council members decide that they wanted to expand or add a property, they could make it happen. Uh, of course, it would have to go through the vote and everything, like a sta any other motion that the council would try to get approved. Uh, and there has been talk about expanding it. We actually got another uh, recognized historic zone in the downtown area a number of years back. It's called the North Manny Avenue Historic District. But unlike the East Main Historic District, it's just a district that's recognized nationally, but there's no zoning overlay. Mm -hmm. So the zoning overlay is the big difference. Is, in that, the East Main. is that the blue section up there? Yeah. I think, I think on the, on it's the thing, skewed it's, like a little the, bit, yeah, so. it's, it's messed up a little bit, but like the, the purple was actually supposed to be the north. No, actually, so um, I'm, seeing, I'm seeing Manny Avenue here, and so the blue is going to be your North Manny Avenue district, and the purple is going to be the, um, uh, the East Main district. And I believe that's going to be Central Middle's campus right there. Yeah, the big, the Central, big open square. Yeah, it's high school. I'm still calling it middle like it's 30 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> So, um, so the then the the East Main one, that's the one that has the the zoning regulations and restrictions to it. The other one is just a natu nationally recognized uh -huh. historical zone. That's right, that's right. And and they're they're both, I guess you would call them zoning overlays, but it's just one has restrictions and the other one doesn't. The other one just standard city codes. So we talked a little bit about. Uh, you gave the example for the windows, uh, you know, vinyl not being. What are some other ones that? Uh, you maybe have seen that uh, either people are um, trying to slip by that just aren't going to work or also maybe even touch on if there's some newer options out there or some different materials out there that people haven't thought about that we may not use in regular new construction mm -hmm. but can actually work on the historical homes. Yeah, well, um, great question again. Um, we have approved materials that we know we've, we've, we've seen many times before and have approved. And it's worth noting there's some differences between if you're building a new home in the district or if you're repairing a historic home in the district. Uh, the, the rules do slip and slide a okay. little bit. See, I didn't know that. Okay, if so you were good. building a brand new house in the, in the district, we're going to approve things like hardy plank easily, quickly, because it's one of the closest modern materials that would 
duplicate or replicate and look like an, an, an historic home. Uh, obviously, vinyl siding is going to be out of the question. We don't like plastics or vinyl yeah, in the historic any of district. Stuff, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, fencing is one of the things we see a lot of. Um, we, you know, a standard dog-eared uh, privacy fence would likely be approved as long as it's in the right location. But things like chain link fencing are completely out of the question. Uh, those don't get approved. Uh, they considered to, to detract from the from the feel of the neighborhood. Um, but uh, you know, th th there's not any really hard and fast absolutes because we do have this commission and we are to discuss it and uh, vote on it. So, well, I should say. Obviously, the vinyl and plastics are kind of hard and fast, but, yeah, yeah. but you know, hardy plank is, is what I've got in mind. Um, we have approved hardy plank before on historic homes that are needing help. Uh, oftentimes, the wood siding is just really too far gone. Um, and what are you going to do? What are you going to replace it with? How are you going to find... You know, well, that would be my question. Wood like poplar ours, siding, you know? Yeah, at ours, we, we, it had currently had vinyl. You know, it, it probably had had it even before 1984. You know that that vinyl on that house was exactly. Old, you know, yeah. Actually, I think it was even. It wasn't even vinyl. It was it was metal. It was old. You know, lap yeah. metal siding. Yeah. We um, see that. And so when you go to tear that off, yeah, you they don't really make readily available wood siding any longer. It kind of you are almost stuck with this hardy board, hardy plank. You know, kind of design. So is that one that you guys? try to push back on but but will approve or, or how do you guys is it just really a well, case by case on that a lot this of is it gets a little tricky here too because one of the things i keep in mind and i and i hope my fellow commissioners do is you know we we also don't want to put an undue burden on a homeowner we don't want to make it so difficult that they regret living here you know that oh you have to go have this specially milled wood that matches and that's the only thing we're going to you know uh some some commissioners have their own opinions, and 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 that's what makes it beautiful. Is yeah. is you know you, you're a panel of peers. You know you've got neighbors up there, you've got architects on there, um, and we all kind of differ slightly. But I always keep in mind this this undue burden. I don't want to hurt my fellow neighbors uh, in their efforts to preserve their house because some modern materials just perform so much better. So um, it is truly a case by case thing. It's, it's, it's tricky. You know, we've seen a lot of slate roofs uh, in the downtown. You know, I, I personally am not going to push back too hard on someone who feels they need a modern shingle because, you know, a slate roof replace, you know, on a house of six or 8,000 square feet, you're looking at $250,000. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you can even source the stuff. And that was, that was what another one. The roofing one is, is kind of a unique one because there's all different kinds of materials that were even used historically for roofs. And, you know, some you can still get your hands on, excessively expensive. Some are not even available. They don't, they don't create them anymore. So. In the 20s and 30s, there were a lot of stamped metal roofs mm -hmm. in the downtown. And most of those homes have, you know, shingle, you know, composition shingle now. So, um, so we try to be reasonable. You know, it's, it's, uh, it, there's a fine line to walk with it all. If, uh, if somebody listening wants to get more information about you know, the historical overlays, the rules, the things like that. Where are some places that they could go to look some of that yeah. up? Yeah. Well, the city of Murfreesboro's website actually does have tons of information. Uh, you just have to be able to navigate it a little bit. But if you go in the city of Murfreesboro's website, you can find the Historic Zoning Commission, and you can find all the documents that you might need there. Even the application, I believe, is awesome. available for download on there. 
Um, one last thing that uh, Candy had actually uh, talked about and wanted to make sure we, we spoke about a little bit is some of the tax uh, situations with some of the historical stuff. Uh, are you comfortable talking about any of those? I, I believe you were part of helping fight for some of those, if I Absolutely. remember correctly. Absolutely. Actually, I'm on another board with the county. So the city hasn't adopted this yet. But um, And, and I, I know you're aware of some of these things, but I'll try to frame it for the listeners yeah, as well. Uh, the state of Tennessee had legislation in place that would allow counties to uh, give tax incentives to people who are preserving historic homes in the state of Tennessee. The thing is that that legislation sat for years and no county adopted it. There was some fine lines. Uh, the tax assessor and the counties aren't really supposed to give special treatment to people. Uh, so you, you don't hear the terminology of uh, rebates or refunds or anything like that. They use the, the terminology that they're freezing the Freeze, taxes. Yep. So that's something that has been approved for senior citizens for a long time. <laughs> it's like, yeah, the, the play on words, right? We're just doing semantics at this point. <laughs> it truly is. But, but it's for a good cause, okay? Mm -hmm. So uh, actually the tax assessor, Candy here at the uh, Association of Realtors, and uh, a few other people were aware of this. And we started back when I was involved with RPAC, uh, pitching this to our county government. And I actually spoke to the steering committee years ago trying to pitch this idea. Uh, we were not successful at that time, but when Mayor Ketron uh, was elected to office, he got wind of it and liked the idea. So uh, the process kind of started again, and uh, thankfully with Ketron and, and Rob Mitchell's help uh, and some support from the Board of Realtors, uh, that was adopted in Rutherford County and we became the first county in the state to adopt this legislation. So the county now offers a plan where and if you buy a historic home, um, it doesn't have to be in the historic district. It just has to be deemed uh, historic and worthy. There's, there's a l various criteria. Over 75 years old, there's, there's some criteria. Over 100 years old, it's a little simpler. You get up to 150 years old, it's almost guaranteed. Okay. If you spend up to about 10%, I think it is, 10 to 15% of the value of the home at the time you purchased it, in renovations, you can potentially have your taxes frozen at their current value. And that's, uh, it, it varies between 10 and 15 years, and it is transferable. Okay. Wow. So this is a big incentive for someone to fix up their house. The, the, the kind of the underlying thought is, I buy this old rundown historic home, I put all my money into fixing it up, and what does the county do? Raise my taxes. Because now the values yeah, you know, that, a lot yeah. higher. Yeah. So, so uh, this is, in, in essence, a way to not penalize people for fixing up historic homes, and, and it, makes it, it makes it just a better deal. And then that whole transferable part is really sweet because if you decided to sell that home, the next owner is going to have that reduced tax burden for however many years is left. Would also incentivize just like kind of a beautification type thing. I mean, it, it, it lets you have Absolutely. people instead of just the automatic teardown aspect. Yeah, that's what a lot of people were making those decisions. I mean, we looked at it on Spring Street, that house we did, where it's like you thought that was going to be a teardown, and we were right there at the border of possibly doing it. You're so right, and and we're able to save it for some of that. So one of the houses that I sold over on the corner of uh, Burton and Academy uh, was just that sort of house. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, when we sold that thing, Chris, the, instead of a breaker box, it had a couple of wires coming by the back door, <laughs> and there were four fuses that ran the whole place. 
I mean, the lights were hanging off of wires from the ceiling. This house hadn't had any updates in 100 years. Well, what's kind of crazy when you say 75 years, 100 years, this is when people are like, when did you graduate high school? And I'm like, oh gosh, I have, there's a 19 in front of me. For us, that's not that long ago. I mean, you right. think about what was going on with the building industry. 7,500 years, that's not that long ago when you think about the date. Mm-hmm. Like, you're in basically the 40s at that point. Yeah. And now, I mean, it's, it's scary to think about that we're 2020 now. You know, you're like, oh man, yeah, make us all feel old. But yeah, you're talking about the 40s when you're only at the 75 marker. You know, and that we were in a little bit of a boom at that point. I think the 20s was kind of a, a bigger, a big one for us too, yeah. which would put us at about the 100-year marker. Mm-hmm. So and there is a lot of that still involved. So there's a lot of people who probably, once again, don't exactly even know about it. It's it's not exactly a highly advertised uh, benefit that they do have access to, and and they don't even they don't even quite realize it. Yeah, and it's a tricky one. You know, it's controversial because uh, the commissioners for the county, you know, they're tasked with dealing with the tax revenue and how to best spend it. And we have a lot of needs in Rutherford County with all of our growth and infrastructure needs, but. I think this one's just as important, and and I know some of the commissioners f- felt like you know uh, it wasn't necessary to do something like this. But I'm so glad Rutherford County can claim to be the first county to to adopt this. It's it's really important, and uh, you know we see some some uh, some of the city uh, folks that live in the historic overlay that are doing work now, going in tandem and trying to get this tax incentive while they're doing the work. So. Uh, I serve on both of the commissions, and so I get to see them come to the county part and the city part. And it's my hope that the city will adopt this legislation soon as well, so that when they get this tax freeze, it's not just the county taxes, that it's both of them. The city as well. Because we got a reappraisal year coming this year, so oh, yeah. we're, we're about to see a lot of changes again. Yeah, and a lot of upset people in Facebook posts. So um, That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, you hit on something else, though, that I think is uh, a, a little off topic, but I do want to talk about it because you are actually part of it. You and I have had numerous political discussions. We differ on some stuff. We, we agree on a lot of stuff, too, which is, you know, kind of the fun part about it um but uh you were a big part of our pack when i first got started in our pack you were a, a stronghold in our pack at that point and you know a lot of people don't realize it's not just about helping realtors actually the vast majority of what our pack fights for is not a direct benefit to realtors it's it's a direct benefit to our community and the real estate in our community and, and that's a, a perfect example. You know, the, the RPAC committees have been involved in uh, helping uh, with tax freezes for both, mm-hmm. you know, elderly and, and historic homes. We've been involved with, you know, helping for, um, you know, keeping impact fees and development taxes, you know, down. And this is not stuff that directly benefits, you know, realtors as, as an individual unless we happen to live in some of those areas where, where those come. It is really about, you know, the benefit for your community and something that you, you know, A, should be participating in if you're a realtor and B, uh, making sure that, you know, brag on it a little bit, you know, talk about, be proud of the, the work that is done um, for what you're doing. And, and, and the reason I, I even brought up the whole political thing is because there are different politics oh, yes. in, in that committee. And, and when you're around that committee table, it doesn't matter. That's right. like, no one cares, you know, what they are. That's because right. we all have this one goal is just to make our communities better for the people living in them and that's what we're trying to fight for yeah our pack is a, is a great example and i honestly i wish 
all politics would kind of look at how we operate our RPAC around here. Because like you say, there is no party when it comes to RPAC. Nope. And it's really not about directly benefiting ourselves. <clears throat> we, we protect our profession by protecting the consumers, by protecting the homeowners, by you know, making sure legislation's out there that doesn't penalize them or hurt them undue, uh, for undue reasons. And so in, in the, the side effect or the end product is we have a healthier real estate world to, to work in. And so, so it's very indirect, but yeah, the, the, the causes that RPAC champion are first and foremost helping the consumers out there, just the average homeowners. I agree completely, Chris. It's, and, and it's so nice to, to come together with people that politically you might not see eye to eye, but yeah. go, we agree on this thing. Shouldn't we all just focus on those things instead of what splits us? Let's focus on what we agree on well, and move they, forward together. You know? You know, like I said, you and I have been friends for a while now, and, and we've had debates and stuff like that. Never once could I say we've had an argument. No. Never there's once. No. And there's, there's plenty of stuff we haven't agreed on, you know, but never once have we had an argument. But it's not necessary. No, it's not. And that's the part that I think so many people miss. And that's, that's one of the things I do love and I hope people realize is, is that's the importance of it. That's really yeah. what, it's, that's what it's all about. That's helping you know and if you can't be proud of what you're doing kind of what's the point of of doing we've, it so we've moved past the walter cronkite era of mutual respect in the news and the media <laughs> and all these things you know now it's a big fight and it's polarized and, and but yet there are still people who will just have a conversation and come up with a solid idea like this tax freeze it's still out there you know all we got to do is focus on it yep. yeah so um before we change topics, is there anything else about the historic society? Historic, well, not the society, because we're going to talk about that next, but the historic commission, the overlay, anything like that you feel like we haven't talked about, we've missed? Well, we've covered some good stuff. And really, uh, off the top, I, I can't think of, of much else. Uh, gosh, you, you had a good list of questions, and, and uh, nothing's really coming to mind that we've met, we might have missed. I think uh, all the realtors need to try to educate themselves on this. It'd be smart to pull this map up at least once, take a look at where the boundaries are, just so you know when you're in that neighborhood that you can give your clients the best information possible. Because that's what, you know, that's why the consumer comes to us. Exactly. We're expected to know these things. And so there, there's a little bit of a burden being a realtor and representing somebody when you come to this neighborhood. 100%. Well, I appreciate it. I hope everyone uh, joins us for the next segment where we're going to get into some of the history of Murfreesboro and everything like that. But that will be it for uh, this part. So we'll go to part two here. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Tenants in Common. Find out more about the association and upcoming events at www.mtar.org. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at MidTNRealtors. Duplication or publication of this podcast is strictly prohibited without the written consent of the Middle Tennessee Association of Realtors. Until next time.